Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Capan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Robert Siegel has more than 20 years' experience in counseling and representation of producers, writers, directors, distribution companies, and foreign sales agents concerning development, production, marketing, distribution, and exploitation of fiction and nonfiction film, television, publishing, and new media projects. His clients' projects have appeared theatrically and on network, syndicated, public, and cable television, and have earned Academy Award and Emmy nominations and awards and prizes at major film festivals as well. And Carol, I understand that Robert is a donor to your Dean Film Grants. Oh, yes, Claire. He fully supports From the Heart filmmakers with a generous reduction in his fees, and we thank you for joining us, Robert. Glad to be here. Well, what I'd like to do today is to cover the current tax laws for the United States, cover tax incentives, and what happened to the new law that everybody was so excited uh, saying that you could raise money online for features via crowdfunding. So let's start with this current status of the financing and the vetting of your investors via crowdfunding. Where does that stand today? Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of interesting because I, uh, working on a on a project, I had um, basically an you know an inve- you know an investor on the project ask you know oh uh, what about section one eighty one of you know the Internal Revenue Code section one eighty one which was where basically investors under certain circumstances could get a write off a deduction. In the first year that they basically made, you know, basically made the investment, if they did the election under Section 181. So, and I said, well, basically, it's, uh, you know, it's sunset, it's over. And it was kind of strange because the way they would do it frequently is that at the end of say 19 uh, 2017. Where they would say, uh, "Okay, we're going to re- renew it for 2017, even though it was like, you know, a day or two before the end of the year." So it was all retroactive. So it was very, very confusing. So what happened was it sunset, and it got replaced. It got replaced during, you know, basically under the, you know, under the new tax legislation that came in at the end of last year under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, uh, basically. So we didn't have that, but we had basically um, an investor could write off the investment, but it could be in the first year, in the year where they actually made the investment. You have to wait. It gets deferred until um, the the media project, the film, the television, and and also theater, you know, in special circumstances, but mostly I'll talk about theater and film, until it actually has its initial commercial distribution. You know, and we'll discuss, you know, what constitutes that. It wouldn't be a film festival, but we can talk about that as well. But the initial commercial distribution, in that year, they can get the write-off. So, the the investor has to wait until that occurs under 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 the uh, the new you know the new um, uh, tax provision that covers film and television and again theater and when would you know when when would that kick in basically that's when it would be the initial actually opening night <laughs> it were theater but um, but as I said we'll opening talk about, night right 
Yeah. Opening night, you're saying? Okay. Yeah. Well, and, uh, the re- yeah, the opening night would be the be the case. But uh, but generally it would be, and again, it's not really defined. You know, the initial commercial distribution. So could you rent a theater? Could you do something like that? You could. You know, basically, you know, anything that you know, if it winds up on cable or winds up on VOD or you know, video on demand or subscription video on demand like Netflix or Hulu or Amazon, any of those, that's what would trigger the right of the investor to get the right off. Okay. So that's you know. Now, this is, uh, so we always call that the 181 before. Is this now going to be the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act? Yeah, um, most of the time, you know, it, it'll be unknown, unknown under the Tax Cuts and Job Act. There is a, there's, you know, there is actually a provision, but it's not as as elegant in terms of uh, of what of what it is. It's just it, it's a, you know it's a code regulation, and. Um, but again, in most of the the writings, it, it's usually referred to as the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. You know, okay. That's probably the easiest way of uh, of doing that. And you know, again, there used to be a cap; you couldn't deduct more than 15 million on a you know, 20 million, of course, were incurred in certain locations. But now, basically, we don't have that limitation. There's no cap. And there used to have to be a formal election that had to be made for it um, in order to, to trigger in the year in which the costs were deductible. Now that, you know, it's when the the work is actually commercially distributed or placed in service, um, you don't actually don't have to uh, have a formal election. It's just something that, you know, basically it happens. So, okay, so let's say if Netflix is uh, paying someone to produce a film for them, and they own every uh, all the rights and everything, so then the day that Netflix puts that online is the year uh, that they can get their full write-off. Correct. Um, again, uh, I was uh, actually when I was trying to look into this because an investor asked. I actually called a tax attorney, caught up with him, and it was <laughs> right. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, and again, it, it kind of checked with what we were talking about. And, and I asked him. See, the one thing about 181 that was always problematical is that it wasn't just what you could only offset the write-off because it was a passive. You know, and you know, so you only could passive write it income, off. Passive right? Yeah, it was it was passive, truly passive income because you weren't involved uh-huh. in the management of the company, or, uh-huh. or you know, the motion picture. So what what it would be is that it would have to be set against any quote passive income that mm-hmm. uh, that basically the you know the investor was you know entitled to to deduct. Um, and again, passive income, it's not like, you know, you get, you get, you know, your check every week or two weeks or whatever, that's ordinary income. That's not passive income. So you say, oh, okay, well, I have stocks and bonds. No, that's not ordinary income either. That's what's called portfolio income. It has to be truly passive, such as you own buildings and you rent them. You own horses. So the amount of money that's available that you may be able to deduct it is limited by how much passive income you have as an investor. And this right. is usually the point where I say, and people would always say, are you, are you sure? This? And I say, don't, don't, don't trust me. Call your accountant. <laughs> and in order, because after a while I was telling them something they didn't want to hear. And I said, right. you know, it's like, you know, I, I, I don't make up I don't make up the rules, so you know basically I say go call and in fact we basically in, in investment documents we always we don't make any representations on behalf of the production company concerning tax treatment tax advice we say you it's your responsibility to go get a tax advisor whether it's a tax attorney or an accountant. And you, and we're relying on you, the investor, to get that information. Don't rely on the production company. That's not their place. Right. Absolutely. 
in, in, so, in order. So this, we don't have to deal with this anymore. Now it's anything. So you can take it off of any income tax you want, right? No, no. It, it, basically, it, it, it's according when I spoke to the tax attorney, he said, no, it carries over. So <gasps> this. This still carries over the passive income from one to the passive, so, Yeah, and that's the oh, reason why no. I'm always saying, you know, you got you got to you got to talk to an accountant in order uh-huh. to do that. Just be, you know, be aware. You know, uh, you know, basically uh, in 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 dealing with it. I mean, as I said, I I checked it with uh, you know the, the, my t- you know the tax my tax attorney in order to do that. I mean, if, if some other information comes in, I'll let you know, <laughs> definitely. But, you know, you just have to be aware, you know, that, you know, it may it, it can carry over. Okay. So, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And then, and then there, there's something called Section 199, which is about a right to, you know, you get some other, you know, deduct, you know, like 9%. It's a small amount. Uh, it's under a separate section. But it, it it's only for two years, you know. Nine percent deduction on what though? Nine percent on on your investment. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah. That's why I'm actually holding on to notes as I'm going through this as well. Okay. Because <laughs> um, I never pretended to be a uh, you know a tax you know a tax attorney. One second. Yeah, it's section 199 uh, here. Uh-huh. Yeah, 199A, and it's a it's a due deduction, and it's for pass-through businesses, businesses that are in corporations. So basically, it's it's a little tricky because it allows you know a further deduction above that 100%. Sorry, the twenty percent deduction, but it's subject to a bunch of exclusions and phase outs and technical issues, those type of things. So I I'm only kind of mentioning it in passing in terms of its Internal Revenue Code one ninety nine A. But mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day you really have to rely on the you know, basically the the twenty seventeen, you know, uh tax cuts. That's that's the okay. one that's taking the place of 181. Okay. So yeah, I, that's what I would focus on. I would just basically talk to you know talk to your tax, tax advisor about Section 199A to see if if the investor is eligible for it. Okay. Yeah. Well, then the thing to do is to talk to your uh, tax attorney because they probably don't know this yet either. They're going to have to look it up. Everyone is ba- is basically lear- learning as we're coming along, and I said, you know, yeah. again, you know, in, in order to do that. So, as I say, I'm just raising the issue regarding exactly. Well, it's the CPA that we really have yes. to rely on for stuff like this because yes. it, it changes all the time, uh, and. If you don't, and sometimes, like with the 181, you had to ask when you filed your taxes, you had to say that you elected to use it for the following year. Yeah. Now and you so we, now we, you don't have to make a formal election. And oh, that's, that's good. Yeah, that's as I said before. That you know, and there, and there's now a limitation on the amount. Like it used to be up to 15 million dollars. Now you don't have that. I know. This I know. Is, this yeah. is wonderful for Disney. They're all going to use it. Disney, Amazon, Netflix. It's going to be wonderful for them, don't you think? Right. And also the fact that a lot of these companies, some, you know, if they're like if they if they have C corps, you know, they the rules are a little different than on passive um income than it is for um uh, LLCs. So basically they might be able to get more of an advantage than than most comp- most individuals and most LLCs. Wow. Uh, in in terms yeah. of that, yeah. So it's the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, uh, okay. generally, and uh, and and usually if if you just you know you check under that, 
you know that that's usually you know sufficient as i said it it doesn't have a 181 it's you know basically it's like 168k and so as i say it's not as elegant as it was before um okay in order in order to do that so that's something to to be mindful of uh but i always say you know tell the investors that they you know they have to go get their tax advisor in order to you know just to confirm all of this exactly and, yeah in order to do that mhm well so, um let's what i want to know is the states because they keep chopping and changing what do you think are the top 5 or 6 states now that uh, have good tax incentives because this new thing, Yellowstone, is being shot in Wyoming, mm-hmm. and and it's making Wyoming look so desirable up there in that cold north. But you can't. They said in the show, in one week, this woman said, "I can throw my hat across the room and hit five billionaires in this one restaurant." She said, "There's more wealth here than in New York City." I couldn't believe such a thing. So, uh, is is Wyoming one of the states? Well, yeah, it, it is one. I was uh, you asked for five, so I tried to think of five that kind of come up again and again. And uh, the good place of looking this up, it's on the website for Entertainment Partners EP Financial Solutions. I think it's www.productionincentives.com productioncenters.com, and you can Google it as well. And also, uh, each of the states have their own, which, of course, is a lot more detail. I mean, if you look for, like, Entertainment Partners, which is uh, kind of an advisory service for, you know, basically production companies, and they kind of assist them with their production centers and how to implement them and things like that. They also do payroll and other services, but one you know one I just kind of keep coming up, especially in television, is Georgia. Oh and yeah, it's hot. Yeah, especially a lot for television because again, you can do features, scripted reality, documentary, animation, webisodes, game shows, and you know commercials and all of that. And generally. It's about twenty to thirty percent, depending on the circumstances, and um, and and it's transferable, which means you can basically, if you uh, invest, you can transfer the credit. You know, basically, usually it's within some uh, some you know somebody who's living in in Georgia. So it's you know in terms of it being transferable. Um, it's about you know as I said twenty to thirty percent, and the production expenditures have to be made to a Georgia vendor. It's about twenty percent on qualified expenditures, and see it also talks about labor, you know as uh-huh. well. Like in New York, we don't have it on you know basically above the line and below the line. We only do below the line, but I'll get to that in a second, and. What's really nice is that it's 20%, but if you include the Georgia promotional logo, you know, that's why you get the peach in the end title yes. sequence, you get another yes. 10%. Oh, that's so that's, great. you know, that's that's the maximum, that's 30 in terms of that. And again, you always have to be very mindful what's the minimum spend? It's about 500,000, so if, you know, if you have a quarter of a million dollar project, you're out of luck. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And again, it could be above the line or below the line. It could be here. I think it basically is also non-resident and resident. See, like in New York and other places, it's only on the residents. So each of these have a little bit different. And you know, like California, where again, it's another twenty to twenty-five percent. It's a million-dollar qualified spend. But again, they don't really have as much money. They have a cap of about usually around like I don't know like a hundred thousand. You know, it's, well, that's the qualified spend. But it's you know they only have um, uh, a certain you know a limited amount. You know, like in New York, it's about four hundred million and change a year that's available. Here, it's a lot less. 
So they, they have a lottery, and you kind of you have to be in it to win it. And again, it's 20% of the labor, resident, non-resident. Uh, and um, and then there's a bonus split if you if you film, you know, if you film outside LA, if it's music scoring, it's if you have visual effects. That's the type of thing. Yeah, and see, in California, it's it's around three fifty a year. Um, so three hundred fifty thousand. Three no million. That's that's per year. That's the amount of money they three have. Three and a half million. Three and a half million a year. Okay. Three hundred fifty million. Three hundred fifty million. Okay. Yeah. And then New York, as I said, was about four hundred four hundred twenty million dollars. Again, for you know, um, it's about 30 to 40 percent, depending if you're in New York or in its related areas like Nassau County, Suffolk County. If you go like go upstate or deep downstate, you you get more you get another you know more money accordingly, and um, and you know so so basically. Uh, the labor could be, you know, resident and non-resident, but it's again below the line, not above the line. And well, excuse me, but right there, meaning you don't get to include the labor in your write-off. You, 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 do? you, you do. It's just that, you know, basically, it's it's below. You know, basically, it's not your like your actor, your writer, your director. You know, basically, it's New York has a little bit of a quirk about it. Um, so it's below the line. It's all your crew. Yeah. Hold on a second. All right. And New Mexico is a very popular one, and that's about 25 to 30 percent. You know, um, and it's above and below the line. There's no minimum spend in New Mexico, which is, you know, which is good. And... Um, so you know, so the, again, each of these uh, are, have a little bit of a, a wrinkle. It's again like New York; it's refundable. It's not transferable to a third party. It's basically at the end, the production company, you know, submits its appropriate paperwork. They, they qualify. They get a certain percentage of money back. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes that money is used like for marketing or and sometimes that money is considered uh, as a as a way of starting to repay the investors. So you have to you know be clear about well how is that money treated that you get back because of the production incentive. You you um, you bring that into the PPM the private placement memorandum. Right. I mean, general. I mean, you know, if you want the right to have the discretion of either using it for to repay your investors or for marketing money or something like that, or enhancing your budget, that's one thing. But sometimes, you know, the investors want to know, well, what happens when that money comes back, and yes. do do we start getting repaid? So you have to, you know, a lot of your investors that won't want an answer to that question. Right. And uh, in North Carolina, it's about 25%. The minimum spend for film is about $3 million there. You know, and uh, TV is about one. So, again, a lot of these minimum spends can kind of trip people up, you know, especially yeah. for these very, very low budgets. And, um, so, yeah, and their annual their annual cap, you know, is only like $34 million yeah, in the program. So, again, a lot of these are some are more limited. And then Louisiana, you know, basically uh, is about 25 to 40%, you know, basically um, in terms of, la- you know, labor. And that's a refundable credit. And then Utah is about 20 to 25, and most of these are refundable. You know, the transferable ones are really like a handful. So um, where you have ability to kind of, there's like a little cottage industry in, in certain states where you basically are able to do trans, have it transferable to, you know, to... Well, Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, explain that to us so that now, if it's it, when the, if it says refundable, it goes right back to the producer. But if it Correct. says 
transferable, then and that means it has to go back to a local person. Most states, it it is someone that's in state. It's local because they want to keep the money in there. In very few states, it's one of the except real exception. You can basically have it transferable anywhere. But mo- most transferables are in state, you know, basically. Okay. So that means you, let's say, um, you would hire a, a production company in that state to help you for local casting and so forth. And when the tax credit came back, it would go to them, and then they would refund it to you? Well, basically what would happen is you would go to the production company, and the question is, how do you know who to, who is interested in buying your your tax credit, your production yes. incentive? Uh-huh. It's actually kind of a little cottage industry where um, where there's a little market where these there are brokers who know who who wants to purchase tax credits. Yes. In okay. in you know the uh, in the state. I mean, you can go find somebody, you know, hopefully if it's in the state, you know, to do it. But a lot of times you go to a broker because they have a, you know, kind of a, like a master list of people who have expressed interest in purchasing tax credits. Okay, you know, so then you're going to take a, uh, a deduction of maybe 20% for the handling fee or whatever? Well, I mean, the, they pay fees. You know, the broker will, you know, will take some type of fee you know, off of the mo- off the money that's involved, you know, the yeah. commission. But but they're you know, but basically they're the ones who can find the one that's interested in purchasing the tax credit, and in purchasing the tax credit for and sometimes you know, hopefully for as close to full value as possible. So if you have, you know, quarter of a million dollar tax credit. Hopefully somebody's interested in purchasing it, and they'll pay a quarter of a million dollars. You know, and they, then they, they get to take that off their own taxes. Correct. Okay. They, they, they get to do it. Now, again, sometimes they'll say, okay, it's a quarter of a million dollars, but I only want to pay you $200,000 right. for, for it, even though I'm going to get the benefit of a quarter of a million dollars. And then you have to kind of figure out how – you know how badly do you need to sell that ta- tax credit? You know you try as I say, you try to you know not as little a discount if any. You know because mm-hmm. everybody wants to make a deal. Hey, if I can get, only pay two hundred thousand dollars for a quarter of a million dollar tax credit, you know that's great. But you know it's, you know whether or not the production company is amenable to doing that, you know that's according to circumstances. You know it's like it's like buying you know things like. You know, ten cents on the dollar is it twenty cents on the dollar, fifty cents on the dollar, or more? You know, it's horse trading. Yes, yes. Well, yes. so it depends on the producer of the film and how much they need the cash that they need it up front, or if they want it. Uh, what does it take? Three to four months to get a refund? Well, again, it 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 varies according to the state. I mean, sometimes uh-huh. it would be really fast as, you know, it could be like six to nine months. I mean, like in New York, sometimes it could be close to a year. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it it, it really depends on how, uh, you know, the state, how overloaded the state is in processing it. So in New York, uh-huh. what they've done is they've actually engaged accountants to act as, you know, kind of like auditors uh, off of, you know, you know, when when a production company makes an application. So there are some, there are some, and these are accountants. These are CPAs. Right. And the uh, and and again, it's strange because I know one CPA who basically does, you know, does these like these audits, uh, and he also has clients who are production companies that you know they they put it in and they have their own state auditor handling it so the guy wears two hats now at the same time obviously sometimes as a state auditor yeah or at sometimes as a as a, as an accountant for a production company so right he sometimes wears you know different hats one's for the state and one's for the and one's for the production company so that's kind of kind of interesting but they've actually engaged 
accountants to work for the state to do these audits in order to, because they were just being overwhelmed. Yes, and it's so specific. I mean, you could uh, nobody knows what's going on unless you're in the film industry. You have to learn a whole new language. Yeah, that's that's really it. It's it's very specific to the industry itself. In, yeah. In, you know, in in order to to do that. I, I you know when we did our first um, audit because when you get over two million dollars, the state in California says nonprofits have to hire a CPA to audit them. So uh, I took I chose a man that I'd worked with before, but he knew nothing about the film industry, and they sent a two people out here to learn the business and after five days I was a nervous wreck they they couldn't get it it was so difficult for them to understand the money coming in and going out uh it was foreign to them it was it's so I can see why the state would do such a thing it's brilliant to get a tax person out of right out of the film industry you know it's the only way to go yeah a lot of times some of them Frequently, they are accountants. Sometimes they're like production auditors who may not be necessarily yeah. accountants, mm-hmm. uh, but they basically know how to handle budgets, you know, themselves. It's like uh, you hire an accountant to handle your production, you know, like any other business. But sometimes you have a production auditor who isn't necessarily an accountant. But but usually they want, you know, usually an accountant, you know, in terms of the state, you know, just for a lot of, for you know just variety of reasons um so as i said sometimes they're refundable sometimes they're transferable you know and you know as i say each state has its own little bit of a wrinkle you know so so what we need to explain to filmmakers is that you want to look for number one what is the cap how much do they give and that gives you an idea of what your chances are Uh, of getting that money refunded to you based on your budget. Does my budget fit, number one? Number two, um, how much money are they giving, and do I have an opportunity, do you think, like for California, they're up against all the studios going after that for the state of California. So the the independent filmmaker is going to be on the bottom of the rung, right? What they've done in California is they've broken it down into categories so it isn't all going to studios, some of mm-hmm. them are non-studios, you know, you know, quote unquote independent, but you know, independent, you know, with not being in the studio system or the network system. And again, obviously, some are for television because, you know, you can sustain a lot of growth by having either a limited series or or a series that goes from season to season, as opposed to the one shots. Although the one shots, you know, bring in a lot of money in one shot because they're one-off productions you know they shoot and and that's it so it's kind of a mix you know between you know film and television studio non-studio you know and and you know so basically and it's kind of interesting that you know uh you try to you 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 try to get the series there sometimes the pilot may be shot in a different state, but the series is elsewhere. I mean, that happens, but um, and, that, and that's one of the reasons why the pilot may be in a whole different place. But as I say, it, it can, it, it there, you know, it, you know, it, it usually varies. I mean, you try to, you know, because a lot of times it'll be shot, say, you know, in, you know, in Chicago, you know, in Illinois, but then wind up in California because. You know, it doesn't make you know make sense, and vice versa. You know, so okay. You know, so, in order to do that, mm-hmm. to to recap for filmmakers, so they want to look and make sure uh, which way it is. Uh, is it are they going? Is this a direct refundable, or is it transferable? Mm-hmm. And then they have to look at above and below the line and see how much in, uh, what is deductible right right is there a distinction in the states you know some states don't have any distinction that's why i'm saying you know if you if you go to like productionincentives.com they have you know you just click on a state you know they give you kind of like a one page summary you know obviously it, it hits it, you know it's not going to be as, as as detailed but at least gives you the highlights so you can you know, narrow down where you basically want to. And again, some of it is very practical. 
what's the crew base? I mean, there, you know, there. A lot of times you'll have enough like the A team and the B team, and now eventually everybody's working, so you're winding up on the the C team, <laughs> D team of of crew. Uh huh. And you have to kind of, you know, make, you know, make a make a choice. I remember, like with uh, one of the Star Trek films, it was five, because Back to the Future two and three was busy at uh, Industrial Light and Magic. You know, they had to go get, you know, job it out to some other company. And they used to, and they did the other Star Trek films for Industrial Light and Magic. But what happened was. They weren't available, so the, another company, and it was okay, but you could tell the difference. I think yes. I think now you can't tell the difference as much because a lot of the special effects work is jobbed out. You'll go to any blockbuster film, and you'll find like ten post houses and effects houses involved. You know, there'll be a principal one or two, and then there'll be some smaller ones. Mm-hmm. As you know, as as well, and again, if you're there, you know, like in New York and other states, there's visual effects. There's, there's a there's a subsidy, you know, production center for that. So you just you know you just have to kind of you know kind of uh, shop around. But that's a very good reference you gave us. I think the filmmakers will greatly appreciate that, where they can go one place and find what they need. Right. It's all online, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's you know, again, yeah, as I say, you know, uh, EP uh, and St. Barnes, they do a lot of uh, seminars and all that because it's all marketing for them as well as informational for their audiences. Um, but, the, you know, there are other places that you can look. And at the end of the day, you just, you know, there's, uh, uh, you know, the website for each of the state commissions, you know, generally um, they, they have all the rules there. <laughs> In all the forms okay. as well. All, okay, all the forms and the rules too, right? Right. All mm-hmm. right. Boy, we learned a lot today, Robert. Thank you. Right. I, I know you want to like ju- touch on the whole idea of the crowdfunding and uh, oh yes, and the equity crowdfunding and and and, and ba- you know basically this all you know is the Jobs Act and an acronym about jump starting and all that. And it was like starting in like, I think it was like 2012, 2013. And it took a long time for the SEC, because these are all secure, these are securities, and you're trying to find some exemption to, you know, to them. Otherwise, you have to register securities, and that's very, very expensive. So basically, it took like, like three years until finally some set of rules, you know, came out. And I guess the best way of looking at it is most people, when they think of crowdfunding, think of donor-based crowdfunding, where the idea is you get, you know, you put in a certain amount of money and you get a T-shirt or a certain amount of money and and you get a a digital file of the film when, you know, when it's available uh, or something like that. And, And that's usually, you know, kind of the ones, and that's where a lot of the, you know the the seed and spark and other places. You know, kind of that's 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 really the donor based crowdfunding. Right. You know, you know for that. Um, you know, pretty much. And again, there's another one that's kind of kind of equity crowdfunding where you're not getting. You know, it's not. You know, again, you you don't always get a get a, a tax deduction. Not every one of these, like not every, like Seed and Spark gets a, a, I mean, some of them get tax deductions because it's 501c3s, but a lot of times, you know, when you see these Indiegogo campaigns and people are basically putting up money, it's not automatic they're getting a tax deduction. They're just putting up the money because they believe in the project. Right. So you have to you have to kind of check with the production company to see if they have a relationship with a fiscal sponsor, obviously, you know, such as yourself or you know, seed and sp- you know, basically other companies that are five hundred one c threes. Right. In 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 order to do that, so basically the whole is going to be you know online basic you know you know investing and. 
the idea was that you could, you know, get all these investors and get them, you know, uh, you know, online. They would make their investments. And again, there, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of rules because they're trying to prevent a lot of, you know, scam artists and grifters, you know, to come into the mix. See, one of the distinctions is normally when you um, when you when you get investors, you have two types of investors. You have accredited and non-accredited. You know, accredited investors they usually make about two hundred thousand dollars a year. They've done it in the last two years. They're going to probably next two years. The numbers haven't changed surprisingly. It or it's three hundred thousand if it's with a spouse. Um, or, you know, basically you have a net worth of a million dollars excluding your principal residence. And, you know, and, and if it's accredited, it's a little bit more flexible. You know, when it, you know what's non-accredited? Non-accredited is generally everyone else. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and basically um, for some of these uh, Jobs Act provisions, you you have to have a credit investor, so that narrows the field. It's like like Broadway, you know, Broadway. A lot of investors, a lot of producers. It was interesting. Somebody asked Broadway producers, "Why don't you use you know online investment, you know, equity crowdfunding?" And they say, "Why? We already have investors, and they all are accredited." <laughs> you yeah, know, so right. you know why why should we do that? And and Again, because it's so hard to find, you know, accredited investors. I mean, there is there is a provision that permits you to have non-accredited uh, investors online, but the the issue is the amounts of money that are involved are relatively small, and I, that's a relative term. You know, basically, for the non-accredited, it's like within a 12-month period. You can only raise up to you can't exceed a million dollars. Your investors have to basically invest either two thousand dollars or five percent of their annual income or net worth, or ten percent of the of the income if it's a hundred thousand dollars or or more. You know, but if their net worth is only a hundred thousand, it's either two thousand or five percent of their net income. It goes up to ten percent if it's over a hundred thousand dollars. And the maximum that can be sold to the investor during the one year is a hundred thousand dollars. And these are non-accredited investors online. Mm-hmm. Also, you have to realize that not every state deals with online investment. You know, um, I just saw uh, producers' um, um, document documents, which are actually online. Um, for raising money on through online investments, and uh, and 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 basically, um, they you know they uh, they they you know it's you know it's it's it's, t- it's tough raising the money, you know obviously because there's such small amounts um, wow. involved. So it's like if you you know over a million dollars, you're out of luck. You're gonna have to go and rely on equity, you know, on accredited investors. So uh-huh. again, and then also if you do this online investments, you know, what happens is the pr- production company has to enter into a relationship with what's called a portal. Yes, and, and where's where are the portals? I have, I, that's what we need to know. Yeah, I mean. You know, basically, you know, it's either word of mouth, or you have to kind of. I've, I've I actually have had. I've even Googled it, basically, for portals, and, and portals that actually deal in this type of industry. Yeah. And you, and you have to pay the portals. You know, and so that you know, again, what happens frequently with this on, with online investing is that you you may have to pay, believe it or not, you know. Twenty thousand dollars in accounting and legal fees <laughs> to so, raise how much money? A million to get a million? You would pay twenty thousand. Yeah, I mean that's that's you know if you if you want to bring these portals in, you know you're going to uh-huh. spend you know you try maybe ten to twenty thousand dollars. Ten is really dirt yeah. cheap in order to do that. So it, you know so basically 
this was not going to be, you know, this thing was going to be, oh, it's going to, you know, open up all the money coming in. No, not necessarily. People are still looking for investors the old-fashioned way. Yeah. At, at, wow. At, you know, at, at, at the end of the day. And um, as I said, it's, it, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it seems good. But, uh, but as I was saying, what I noticed in the paperwork for, you know, for the online investment was that, it only was available in say 15 states or 20 states. So other states, you know, didn't have, didn't permit it, mm-hmm. you know, basically. So in a way you have to kind of say, you know, it's like available except in states, A, B, C, D, E, F, you know, et cetera. So, right. you know, so basically if you're an investor, not in one of those states, it's like you're out of luck. So, so meaning that they can only take investments from people in certain states. That's what you're saying? Right. You Again, you have to, you know, it's almost like you have a sweepstakes or something. You got to make, if you have a national sweepstakes, you got to comply with the laws of every state. Wow. You know, basically, unless your sweepstakes is only like in one state or a few states. You know, it's, uh-huh. it's, it's, you know, it's, it's that type of compliance, you know, you just, just don't assume that you can do a national, you know, a national solicitation for money, you know, because some states may not, you know, agree to it and some have different rules and you have to usually a, a comply with the most restrictive of those rules, mm-hmm. not the least restrictive. So, yeah. So again, it's, it's, it's an option, but you know, you know, in terms of doing this online and, you know, online, you know, kind of equity crowdfunding. But um, as I say, there are costs involved and, and certain limitations. So, I mean, I was trying to set it up with a client, but, you know, the problem was the, the portal just wasn't ready to go, go into business. They were just almost ready. <laughs> And I said, yes. yeah, these, you know, these guys are not ready for, they're not ready to open up, open shop, you know, basically. So it's like, well, we're going to have to go back to the old fashioned way. The old fashioned way still works, right. Well, yeah. so, but if people are interested, they should look for portals with online uh, funding for motion picture films. Right. I mean, and and again, there's a, um, they used to be the the secure, you know, the broker securities, you know, uh, trade organization. Yeah. There's a there, basically a, a company called an organization called Finra. Basically, if you go to F-I-N-R-A, some of these portables are uh, portals are affiliated with Finra, F-I-N-R-A. Okay. Because, yeah. Um, as I say, you know, it's just it's. It's a, it's a lot of knowledge, and how much of it is going to be applicable to your situation, you know, it kind of varies. It, there are options, but you have to kind of, they're kind of new, so that's why, you know, basically they're kind of embryonic. Right. You're getting in at the ground floor, so you have to learn everything. <laughs> yeah, and ironically, your learning curve is very similar to the people who are actually st- starting all this up. <laughs> Yes, you're only you you're only you're only a little bit behind. <laughs> yes. Uh right. Oh, this is wonderful. Good. All right. So we can check out Fenra.com for portals connected. Yeah, maybe Fenra.org is a, is a trade org. They just okay. look on the Fenra, you know, you can you, okay. can you can you can do that and you know, as I Yeah, as I said a lot of it is it is detective work. Well, this is great. You've saved people so much trouble with all this information. So tell us how filmmakers can reach you, Robert. Well, I mean, generally, uh, my, you know, the, there is there's the website, which is www.rlsentlaw.com. But again, the best way is, you know, my email, which is rls is Robert Lewis Siegel, e n t l a w at AOL.com. You know, I, t- I tell people I'm a dinosaur. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah. Okay. But, um, in fact, somebody who uh, was an associate of what I worked with, she said, 
you know, I was hoping that it would bounce back when I sent it out to you after all these years. But I said, no, it ca- it came through, you know, basically. In order, in order, in order to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you very much for your, this great kindness, and thank you, Claire, for helping and putting the show together. Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. Robert, thank you very much. Okay, well, I'm glad to do it any time. Okay. Okay. Have a good day. Lots of good luck. All righty. Bye. Be well, everyone. And I want to thank you. Uh, We are very, very grateful for all the donations you have given to support our podcast and uh, the, the wonderful people who have been listening to our podcast for a very, very long time. Carol and I sincerely thank you for donating at FromTheHeartProductions.com. And we urge you to send us your ideas for more shows. Who would you like to have interviewed? And do you want more on creating miracles in your life or any other topics? that you might be interested in, just let us know. And please join us next week for the Art of Film Funding podcast. We have many more wonderful guests coming to join us as well. Thank you. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to the Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone.